Hola amigos, and welcome to the Add to Houston Admigos podcast, a podcast for young professionals in the marketing and advertising industry who are learning to navigate their early careers. I am Guido Falconi, Presidente of Add to Houston, joined today by my co-host. Hey y'all, I'm Rose Garza, the past president as well as the co-EDI chair. And as always, our producer, Jacob D'Antone. Hello. Today, we are joined by Zena Gittens. Zena is the cultural impact specialist at the marketing agency. She also graduated magna cum laude from University of Texas at San Antonio, and she was a recipient of a 2019 Multicultural Advertising Internship Program, where she worked as an account management resident at RPA Advertising in Santa Monica. Today, we're talking about EDI, Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion. Thank you so much for joining us today, Zina. Thanks for having me. Hey, and uh, before we start, can you please introduce yourself and kind of how you got involved with Ad2 and AAF? Yeah, sure. So um, like Guido said, my name is Zena Gittens. I am a Houston born and raised native. I went to school at the University of Texas at San Antonio, um, where I got a degree in public relations and minored in music marketing. Um, and I got involved with Ad2 and AAF upon graduation. Um, a good friend of mine who went to the University of Houston um, was in the same uh, MAPE class of me. MAPE classes me um, in 2019. Um, he did his fellowship somewhere else, but we uh, connected. And then after when we came back to Houston, um, he kind of got me involved in the scene here since that's kind of where I wanted to be was back home for a little bit. And and so then from there, it kind of, gr- it kind of grew. Um, and I've been involved uh, ever since. So it's been about two years. <laughs> yeah. So uh, last year you got hired at the modern agency as a cultural impact coordinator, and recently you got promoted. Congratulations once again <laughs> Thank you. to a cultural impact specialist. Can you explain a bit about what you do at the agency, as well as how is it how has it evolved within the last year as EDI continues to be at the forefront of conversations? Yeah. So. Um yeah, that's a great question. People often ask me, like, you know, the title is a little bit ambiguous. It doesn't really tell what we do. But the the easiest way to describe what the lab is, what we're called, um, does, and the cultural impact specialists, coordinators, whatever you are, um, we are the PR branch of Martin. And so it's a little bit different because traditional advertising agencies don't necessarily have PR branches, right? Earned and paid advertising don't necessarily go hand in hand all the time. But um, our our role is twofold. So the first is traditional PR. So we pitch, we make create media lists, we do all of that stuff. But the biggest focus is a concentration on culture and trends. And so we are kind of the liaison between all things cool and cultural and client work. And so we stay on top of trends. We stay on top of uh, things that are happening in culture, in the world, in the news. And it could be as simple as like, maybe we shouldn't pitch this day because XYZ is happening in the news or it's a violent news cycle or whatever, um, to sitting in creative briefs from from ideation, thinking through how we can make this concept PRable, whether it's an activation or um, it's just an ad campaign. It's like, what value can we add from a cultural perspective to, um, you know, create this really compelling and cool campaign that will resonate beyond paid, but can also be, you know, live in headlines. Um, And so that's kind of that's kind of the role. 
that I play. That's kind of the role that the lab plays at Martin. Um, and then, you know, it's evolved within the last year. The lab is really, really young, we're, we're, you know, less than three years old. And so every every day it's evolving to see like what better of a fit can it can it be uh, for Martin. Um, and so the, the faces of the lab are changing. The diversity of the lab is changing. The initiatives, um, the goals, um, as we kind of see what's important and learn what our clients need and also learn what's important um, and, and how to resonate in, in, in the feeds, um, whether it be, you know, news feeds, social feeds, things like that. And so every day is something new. Every day we're learning something. Um, and then, you know, uh, things change every single day in the news cycle. So uh, it, it's, it's a constant moving train. Okay, so what kept you pushing forward in pursuing your career in the EDI space, as in, as well as advocating for others to join on having a crucial conversation about it, right? Because this has been something that we have been talking about a lot in the news, uh, online, everywhere. So what exactly is it that makes you want to pursue this? Yeah, so I don't think I ever thought I'd be in the EDI space. It was not, it's something that I've always been passionate about, um, you know, um, but it's not something that I've ever was like, I'm going to go work in diversity and inclusion. Honestly, I didn't ever think I was going to work in PR. Um, but <laughs> I think those two oh, things, yeah. it's really interesting that both D, or EDI and uh, PRs is exactly what I do. Um, but, but you know, EDI is always a passion, just being a young black female. Um, you know, there's just a lot of conversations there. Um, but... Um, yeah, th this this opportunity kind of presented itself where it allowed me to marry things that I really enjoy and I'm really passionate about and, and, and you know, a career, um, a career that I went to school for. And so it was just like the perfect opportunity for me to be able to use my voice um, and also take up space in rooms where, you know, people like me um, don't. You know, if you, you look at the rooms right now and it's no secret, um, there is a lack of diversity everywhere. There is a lack of diversity of thought. It's why we still have mishaps in 2021 and 2020 on campaigns that don't necessarily resonate. Um, and so it's important for people uh, of color, um, of different diversity, of different thought uh, to, to be ready to take take the reins and, and enter into these rooms um, and have these conversations. Um, and so I think that that's kind of why um, I'm, I will always advocate for people of color or people of different backgrounds or, or anything to, to find the passion and also find the guts to enter these conversations because at first it's not easy, but it's also necessary. Um, and, and it takes one person to, to take another person to take a third person to make a change. Um, so, it, you know, it's important to have these crucial conversations and it's important to be in the room. And it starts with one person that then eventually can turn to two, three and four um, and just take up space. And so I'm super fortunate that I have the opportunity to do that at Martin. Um, and I will continue to advocate for people to do the same um, because it's necessary. So I think that's interesting to hear you say that you didn't start off knowing you wanted to work in the EDI space. It's just yeah. especially how more how much you advocate for EDI every conversations that we've had. <laughs> so we talked a bit earlier about what you do at the Martin Agency, but I wanted to go more in depth. Mm -hmm. So I have a two part question for you. Sure. The first is what exactly is a cultural impact specialist? Because <laughs> yeah. I know I don't know. Guido doesn't know. know I don't think too many people know what it is. It kind of sounds like a new position that has evolved as time comes on. 
And the second is, how did you discover this role and what advice do you have for others who might be looking into a similar position? Yeah. So what is a cultural impact specialist? Um, It's kind of like what I said earlier. It is whatever you want it to be. It's traditional PR, right? So like that is a big part of our role. We're all PR professionals at the end of the day. We do all the PR stuff. We pitch. Mm. We we write pitches. We create media lists. We have uh, uh, relationships with reporters, things like that. But a big part of um, our role and like my boss, Jacqueline Ruel, who also is the start of the lab at Martin, she always likes to say is it's a, we like to keep our fin- like our, our finger on the pulse of culture. Mm-hmm. So whether that means like pop culture, whether that means what's happening in the news, whether that means EDI, right? Like that is our job and figuring out how to incorporate that into ad campaigns um, or activations. It, so. Yeah, that's that's the best way that I can describe it. And I think that, you know, cultural impact specialists or coordinator or just cultural impact is is unique to Martin. Right. Like you might not see this role like this verbatim role somewhere else. Um, but we are called like the cultural impact lab. So for Martin, it makes sense. But there's probably similar similar roles as uh, agencies are starting to see the importance of having EDI very present. Um, so, yeah, it's new. And it's evolving. Um, but I did forget your second part of the question. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. I, I, the second part of the question more covers how did you discover this role? Oh, yeah. So I discovered this role. Um, well, so so I was a MAPER, like I said. And at the end of MAPE, um, there's this thing called Face of Talent where um, every MAPER across the United States for that year goes to New York for the for the week and we all hang out and we do agency tours and all of this stuff. And so one of the events that we do is kind of like a job fair situation for creatives. It's like a portfolio review. Um, and so Martin was there. Um, and I always joke because I candidly did not really know who Martin was. Um, you know, like I was like very new and gr- evergreen to advertising. Like MAPE really exposed me to like the advertising world. I always say that like I got a PR degree thinking that it was advertising, but like I ended up on the same street, just across the street. MAPE helped me understand that, you know, they're quite different. Um, and so, yeah, I, you know, I didn't know of the Whitens and I wasn't, you know, hip to all of these huge agencies. And so uh, I was walking around. I was super, super tired after this face of talent day. And a friend of mine went to VCU, which is right down the street from uh, Martin Agency. And so, like, they have the brand center, really prestigious. Um, and so she knew the recruiters. So I always joke that I was, like, the the weird friend that stands on the side at a bar because it's, like, you don't know those people, but that your friend does. And I just, like, stood there while she, like, talked to the recruiters. Um, and then one recruiter came up to me. He was, like, I love your energy. And I literally was, like, what are you talking about? I'm so tired. Let me go home. I had my shoes in my hand. I was like, oh. whatever. Like I was oh. done. Oh, yeah. I was done, 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 done. But they kind of like followed suit from, you know, and, and kept pushing. And they're like, let's get to know you. And I was like, okay. You know, he had to ask for my resume. Like I was so over it. So I was like, yeah. sure, here you go. Um, but, you know, he's one of my really good friends to this day. But um, yeah. So after Face of Talent, I... They were like, hey, we're starting this thing at Martin, the Cultural Impact Lab. I literally could not wrap my head around what that meant. So, you know, and I was not looking to move. So I actually turned down the lab in 2019 when I got the first offer. 
Um, and they came back to me a year almost on the date later and was like, hey, this role is still here. Um, we're growing the lab. Do you are you interested? Um, and this was in the middle of COVID. It was September of 2020. Um, and I was like ready for a change. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And that is how I ended up at the lab very unconventionally. So, yeah. That's actually a really interesting story. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm actually from, uh, well, I grew up in Virginia, so oh, cool. I know exactly where VCU is. I've spent some fun nights over there <laughs> <laughs> when I was younger. Yeah. I, I, I really, I really like the fact that you said that you, didn't know you were going to end up in this because my first job out of, out of college was uh, for a PR agency. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know the first thing about PR, <laughs> but I'm going to do this. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Just to get back uh, back in track. So, um, you know, we talked about a lot about uh, how you advocate for people of color and, you know, maybe other people too, right? Because it's uh, EDI, EDI is more than just color, right? There's uh, uh, people who might have disabilities, people who might... Uh, just be from different cultures, et cetera. Uh, but I want to focus on, you know, how do you think a person of color, especially a black person, is represented in the industry or how people of color are represented in, in the industry? Yeah, I think there's no, it's no surprise. Like, it's no surprise about this answer. The representation is 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 lack of, right? Like, that's why there's such a push for you know why we have D and I chairs, and um, you know, like um, chief people officers, and like crazy weird titles that are like <laughs> coming out of nowhere. And like you know, the last five years, because agencies and industries are doing inventory, and they're like, well, what does our what what is the makeup of our company? What does it look like, right? So I don't think that there is like it's it's a surprise that there aren't tons of people of color that you see. I think lately there's been a huge push and talks and progress, and we see it more, and we see uh, people of color and um, and people of diverse just different backgrounds and diversity stepping into these awesome roles that they should have already been in before. But, you know, things don't happen overnight. So all I can say is that it's great to see that it is happening. It's kind of unfortunate that we're still having these conversations in 2021, 2022. But I don't think that's mutually exclusive to just advertising. Like we see it everywhere when it comes to race relations, whether it be the news, whether it be politics, whether it be other industries. Like it's a problem, right, that everybody is trying to figure out how to face. Um, And so, you know. I guess to speak specifically to your question, like there could be more people of color, there could be more black people in the in, in these spaces um, than there are, but it always could be a could be, right? Like the fact that agencies and industries are making spaces now and understanding the importance to, to so that th- those spaces are a little bit easier, not easier, but I guess those spaces are being attained now by a diverse group of people is good. Um, and so it, it is good to see um, for sure. So as the people are continuing to have these necessary, crucial, long overdue conversations on EDI and what that means for both society and the individual, but we really self-reflect and consider how racist actions and feelings from other people have impacted us and how that directly led to some type of residual feelings that we might not have known that are there. With that being said, how can young professionals push against the systemic racism 
they face and be able to clearly identify how it has affected their lives and careers? That's a that's a big question. Um, you know, I think systemic is the key word here, right? Like it, it it's systemic. So, it, you know, it is something that won't go away anytime soon. I think it's something uh, for like POCs or, or like when when it comes to like race or just like just people with diverse, diverse backgrounds, like, um, you know, disabilities or something like that to understand the system that they're entering into. Right. Because it's going to be very easy for you to get frustrated and bogged down by what white corporate America looks like um, at the end of the day. Right. So it's like for me, I know that I have to prepare myself for this situation because I know the status quo. Right. So it's like find the space and figure out how to take up the space, figure out how to progress the space. Right. Like knowing that it's not going to change overnight. So don't put it all on my shoulders to like wake up and be God and change it. But like understanding that everything is a process. Um, but but like also finding a space that like lets you know that you matter. Right. Like and I feel like at Martin, I feel that. Right. Like I feel that I can be 100 percent myself every day when I walk in. I feel that my opinions are valued, whether they're small to big, um, whether it'd be on the smallest thing or something that I really don't feel should be in an ad campaign or should be in something, you know, we have the ability to, to step up and be like, I am, that's a little bit questionable for X, Y, and Z, or maybe we should evaluate this for, for different reasons. And um, I think that, you know, f- it's it's something that will continue to happen, unfortunately. Um, and so just being able to identify it and kind of um, differentiate those things. Right. And like, no, find the value of where you're at. If you feel valued, um, just just learn how to sit in that pocket, learn how to make a difference. If you don't feel valued, then that's a different conversation. Right. But if you do feel valued, that's a great that's a great space for you to be in to try to change the this, this, the status quo, um, and it's going to be hard. But like I always tell, like I've I've had this conversation uh, uh, quite a bit, and it's I always tell people, it's like you know they're like I always get the question, it's like do you ever feel like the token? And I'm like you know I, I feel like yeah. that's a hard question to answer because like I said earlier it takes one person to take two people to take three to take four so it's like someone has to be the first person but that doesn't mean that I'm tokenized it just means that it's initiative right and then we'll evolve um and and so just you know being able to make that differentiation and feeling really confident in that is is huge well that's uh I, that, that's it's really great thank you so much for that um I really appreciate that the industry is moving this way because I know that I've been in many rooms uh, where I was the only brown person, mm-hmm. and it was like, well, that's here we go. Yep, I don't know what I can do here. Um, so it's great. Um, so I do have a question for you. It's kind of a two-part question. Sure. So let's go ahead and tackle it a little bit at a time. Sure, please. So <laughs> let's start. First. So, what advice do you have for the next generation of leaders entering the workforce, or maybe young professionals who are already in there but are transitioning to a different agency? looking to take their talents to a place where they're not filling some type of quota? Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I think the advice that I have for the next generation of leaders is, um, so there's this great quote that I absolutely love that I heard at a MAPE summit one year. Um, and it like really resonated with me to just like, this is how you should live your life. Um, and it was just like, be authentic do good and raise hell. And that is what, you know, I was like, 
those are three really easy things to remember to do is like just be a good person, um, be real and, you know, make sure your presence is known, um, you know, um, because it makes make some noise. Right. Yeah. Like, don't just sit back. Right. Like be a key component of whatever ship you guys are building and, you know, sailing um, and, and just be bold. I think that's the biggest thing. I think that th- I think what I've noticed even in the last couple of years and just the workforce is it's highly competitive. So, you know, fi- being able to find your voice, being able to identify why you are different than the other person and and being able to clearly show that you're bringing X, Y, and Z to the table in comparison to someone else. And just like really being unique, I think, when what it boils down to is like being confident in yourself, being unique, and being and, and understanding what you as a person is bringing to the table, whether that be lived experience, uh, you know, college experience, um, knowledge of the different backgrounds and, and uh, you know, hobbies or whatever, like all of that stuff makes you you. And it's important to bring that stuff to the table and, and at, at the forefront. And so I think there's like a been a big shift in just the way that I guess young people carry themselves because, you know, pe- there's this been this huge shift of like, you need to be your authentic self and bring your whole self to work. And I really do believe that because if you bring your whole self to work, you know, that creates a differentiation in you and the next person next to you. Um, and then I guess to answer the question, you know, making a transition to a different agency, um, same thing, right? Like know what you're bringing to, to, the, to the table and be confident in that and in those skills. And then to just, I guess, not feel like a number or a quota, right? Like, that's a hard question because it's like you'll never really know, right? Yeah. Um, so it's like feeling out the space. Do you feel comfortable there? Are you adding value? Is your value is 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 your opinion being listened to or heard? Um, you know, like the quota question is hard because there's quotas for everything. Um, you know, amount of people that have to be there in general, women versus men, right? Those are all yeah. quotas. Um, but. I guess it's a feeling like, do you you feel used? Do you feel valued? But like, you know, Um, and being hypersensitive to that, I think is really important. Yeah. So just to touch on that, right, because we're talking about um, how, you know, how the agency treats you or or what what have you. So do you do you know of any way to identify uh, whether an agency truly values equity other than going to work there and finding out by, you know, on the go? That's a funny question because I feel like, you know, um, <laughs> there's no way to tell. There's no way to tell anybody's true intentions, let alone a big business, right? I think that you have to use your best judgment to sift it out a little bit, right? Like, look at the work. What are the statements they're saying? What are they re- What are they saying about hot topics that are happening that are very controversial that are changing the, the landscape? You know, what are companies saying? Like, for an example, like did they release a statement on George Floyd? Did they say anything? What was that? What was that vernacular? What did it look like? You know, just like uh, what are the what what are the focuses of their ad campaigns? Is it fun? Is it catchy? Um, like, what are their LinkedIn looks like? What does the LinkedIn look like? What does the Instagram look like? I think you have to be your own, like, investigative journalist <laughs> to figure <laughs> out because there's no way to really know. Um, you know, you'll have to do the homework. Check out the LinkedIn. Check out the people that work there. Does it look diverse? I mean, what awards are they winning? Are they winning innovative awards? I mean, there's 
There's so many things, um, you know, but I don't think there's any way for you to know, but it's really important to do your due diligence. And then if you're in a place that you don't necessarily feel is valuing that, like valuing, uh, you know, EDI or maybe could do a better job, like, I don't think it hurts to, to vocalize like, hey, maybe there are some things that we can do better here. And if it's a place that values EDI, then it's a place that's going to want to make waves in making sure that their um, workers feel comfortable, you know? Yeah. So it's a trial and error situation, I think. Yeah. It's in all of life, just yeah. trial and error. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So we've been having EDI conversations from a business or work perspective, but I want to switch focus a bit to having individual conversations. So having common candid conversations about race and other cultures is not an easy feat to do. Right. No. It could be it could feel very sticky mm-hmm. where it could just, you know, not easy. There are often feelings of frustrations, anger, and even fear of being misjudged or misunderstood of what you're saying. But having constructive conversation is imperative for EDI. They not only allow different perspectives to be shared, but also provides insights on actionable steps that we can take to be more equitable future. So how do you think people can con- can have constructive conversations about race and learning about different people's cultures and what they go through instead of people, you know, feeling shut down and not wanting to converse or, you know, do anything at all? I think what you put out is kind of the reaction you're going to get. So, you know, if you... <laughs> choose violence <laughs> against <laughs> someone else that might not might completely disagree Ugh. with you. I don't know how that conversation is going to go, right? Um, but I think it's interesting because, like, in the same vein, I also feel like there's some things that are fundamentally wrong, right? And so, like, having those conversations are a little bit harder. Um, but I think through this huge push for Black Lives Matter and George Floyd in the last couple of years, what I found with my friends... Uh, specifically are like they are not like I have to understand that as a black person right like I cannot expect someone else to understand what black lives you know mean like I can't understand I can't expect someone to understand like what my life looks like every single day the struggles that you know the like the black race has faced right and what the implications of that is right so like i feel like people the, the tensions were really high because people you know people were like yelling at each other it's like how do you not understand how can you not empathize but it's honestly like it's not your fault that you don't know and empathize because you can't empathize for me because you don't live the black experience. And I think for me this last year, I've learned that like, okay, it's important to take a step back because a lot of people want to be allies, just might not know how. Um, And so I've just had to learn to be a good listener and like, you know, try to guide that conversation. It's like, you know, like, yeah, you can totally be an ally. No one should be yelling at you because you don't necessarily understand. But like, how can we work together to help understand? How can I listen to your experience and understand a little bit more as well? And I think we just have to be a little bit more understanding and uh, a little bit better of listeners. Um, But, you know, there's a lot of polarizing ideas out there, right? And I think it's still in that. I still think it's really important to be uh, grounded in what you believe is right or wrong before you enter into those conversations as well. Um, but they're important to have. And so, and they're important to have in a civil way because if 
you know, nine times out of 10, it's not a civil conversation. I don't know how beneficial it's going to be. Um, so yeah, it does, it's, it's not easy, um, but they're necessary. So finding that middle ground is really important to do. Yeah. No, uh, that's, that's great. Um, that's really good advice, actually, because I do feel like talking about race and culture sometimes can be like roasted, sticky, and you don't want to offend anyone, but you also, without asking, you're never going to learn. Right, exactly. Um, so I made a, well, kind of a joke, it's actually real, but uh, <laughs> said that I have been the only brown person in rooms before, and mm-hmm. I didn't know what, you know, I wasn't even sure that I was, I was wanted there at some at points, right? So... And certainly you have more than your fair share of this in your life. So what is advocating for yourself and taking a stronger stance in a meeting as a person of color looks like to you? And what advice do you have for a young professional who maybe they want to lean in, maybe they want to say something, but they haven't found their voice and not sure how to say it. They're worried about losing that first job, right? So what advice do you have for those people? So I think to answer your first part, I've always been a pretty confident person. So that has helped, right? Like that has helped me kind of overcome barriers, um, just being very confident in myself. Um, And so I think, you know, finding that confidence helps you be able to take up space. Like I know that every single day that like my job, like I was hired for all of these reasons, whether it be my lived experience, whether it be, you know, uh, my cultural background or whatever. And so I have to remind myself that um, I need to bring those things to the table because then they would have just hired robots that all look the same. (laughs) Right. So like we all look different in a room for a reason. And so it's important for us to vocalize those opinions and bring them to the table because we are in a collaboration to do good work. So like if we are if we are aligned that we are doing good work and we're doing innovative work and we really care about culture and we and there's there's 10 different people that look 10 different ways and have 10 different lived experiences, then it's important to, for me to share my experiences that is, as it is the next person and the next person because that's what we were hired to do. And so sometimes I have to tell myself, you know, like if it may be sticky or it may be like uncomfortable, be like, well, someone is probably not like, you know, the person next to me is probably not thinking the same thing I'm thinking. And that's on purpose. So it's important for me to vocalize and be really confident Um in those meetings and speak up and be attentive and being paying attention and working through, you know, those conversations um, because you were hired for your skill set and for your lived experience and everything else, not just because you can sit in a room and, and, and do just the basic minimum of the job description. Right. Um, and then I think the advice for young professionals um, who haven't found quite found their voice yet is is one and the same to exactly what we were just talking about is like finding your voice because that's going to be important for you to do you know is find your voice because um especially in the edi space you're hired because you're passionate about those things and you're hired because you might look different from what's already happening and so you have kind of like a, a not a burden but a burden on your shoulders to show up <laughs> so you need to figure out how to show up right and it doesn't have to be like objection every single meeting oh like goodness. i don't agree <laughs> right but it could be like well have you thought about this or like oh that's really innovative but like this is cool too like can we talk about this and like just being able to be vocal confident and 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 whatever that is right like it doesn't have to be on the 
top of the mountains where I like to live sometimes literally could just be like, hmm, let's think about the fundamentals of this idea. And like, right. And you don't have to vocalize it, but at least you said something, um, you know, <laughs> yeah, and as that's... it carries up in reviews could yeah. be reevaluated. And so, yeah, be confident, take up space. I think that that's just the biggest thing. Be confident in who you are and take up the space. So what I'm hearing is show up, lean in and be authentic. Yeah. hundred percent. Why have I heard that before? It's an, I think it's an agency uh, model, yeah, but I, I stole yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, this is yours now. It's mine. Well, I mean, you're being authentic. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm being, I will always be real, yeah. right? I will, like, people will couple joke to me all the time because they'll come to me and I'll be like, I hate that idea. And oh. Like, oh. They'll be like, well, Honestly. I kind of like it. I'm like, it's no. <laughs> I like that. But you gotta you be know? honest. Yeah. But like, it's not, I will never like be like, I will never go like, oh my God, I hate that idea. We have to get rid of it. But I'm like, can we just talk about this for a second? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, my gut reaction is, eh, you know, like, how can we always provide a solution? Right? I don't want to just be like striking things out of the sky. But <laughs> yeah. So I want to switch focus a little bit. We've been having this really tough and candid conversations about EDI. But I want to take it a step further or two actionable steps. Yeah. Just because what is conversations about without, you know, the actionable. Right. hundred percent. So. What do you think people can directly do in order to bring EDI initiatives to the workplace? I think that there's only so much young people can do, right? Like, you can show up, you can be authentic, you can be there, you can vocalize, but it's up to the organization to want to listen. And so it's like, you know, is it worth stressing yourself out and talking to a wall that's not going to respond, i.e. going to a company and you, you, you know, they, they, they preach EDI or you're trying to incorporate EDI where it doesn't already exist and there's not an appetite for it. I don't know if that's worth it. Right. Like that may not that's not your job as a person of color or as a person with a disability or as a person, um, you know, like LGBTQ plus acceptance, whatever. Like that is not your job as just like a, a diverse individual. Um, but I think all you can do is show up. And be proactive and plug in where there where, where you can plug in. And if there's an appetite, feed into the appetite, right? But like don't stress yourself or kill yourself where there isn't an appetite because then that's kind of counterproductive too, right? Like there is still more growth that has to be done on the org's part before it ever makes sense for someone like you to try to come in and step in and and, and do good. Um, so just like the, the questions we've kind of talked about before is the, the responses before is like showing up. And being authentic, like that is all you can do is like bring your best self, your whole self, all of yourself um, to the table for good work and pushing on those objectives that already may be in place at where you're at and, and feeding in to the appetite. Like I said, if there is already an appetite for EDI um, is really all you can do. Right. Like you can't change the whole system if it's already broken. So don't advise. I don't advise that. But, you know, yeah, just be proactive. Yeah. Well, um, I, I think that's great. The, you are very much right that there's only so, so much we can do as an individual. Uh, but I do believe that people like you and other organizations, you know, that are pushing EDI are really going to get us to that point where we don't have to talk about it anymore because now it's just part of who we are, right? As right. organizations, as people, as an industry. Uh, well, Zina, uh, thank you so much for spending time here. <laughs> I could literally talk to you for hours about EDI because I too find it very 
uh, a very interesting topic, but unfortunately, we only have this spot for about an hour. <laughs> <laughs> um, but again, no thank you so much, Zina. Is there anywhere that uh, people can find you? Yeah, so I'm on LinkedIn, Zena Gittens. My name's kind of funky, so it's Z-E-N-A. <laughs> Last name's Gittens, G-I-T-T-E-N-S. I'm also on Instagram, Facebook, all the things. Um, so you can definitely find me on any social platform. I'm always happy to connect, always happy to have conversations. Um, I always say, like, I love having conversations with people above me, below me, at my level, because, um, you know, it, it was the people above me that helped me get to where I'm at and, and keep climbing. And so I definitely try to be an ally for anybody that I can. Um, so always, always open the chat. All right, well, make sure you guys look at Zina. Thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, thanks. Yep, thank right. you. One last thing. Adventure 2022 is coming to Houston. In addition to the National Student Advertising Competition, you can count on a full spectrum of speakers, a wide range of workshops, and limitless opportunities for professional growth and personal fun. Advention will be held from April 20th to April 23rd. For more information, you can go to aaf10.org. Thank you for joining us today. The Add to Houston Amigos podcast is produced at Radio Lounge. Add to Houston is a collaborative collective of young communication professionals aged 32 and under who are looking to make a difference in the industry. If you would like to become an amigo, join us at Add the number two houston.com you can also follow us on facebook instagram and linkedin at add the number two houston thank you for listening